The following episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel Bernie or Bust Television. Good morning, USA, and welcome to another episode of the Bernie or Bust Show. We have the OG of Bernie or Bust, Victor Tiffany, also Revolt Against Plutocracy. And this informal interview, we're just going to start off in a, in a free form. So good morning, Victor. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate this. You're very welcome. You have your coffee ready? I do. I'm good to go. Awesome. I have here, on as part of my screen capture, I have the press release. So for, for immediate release, or bus 2020, or why Biden will certainly be defeated, you also mentioned that you might want to talk about um, never Biden and the media in general. And so all of those are fine or anything else that comes up. Sure. All right. So, so let her rip. Well, <clears throat> one of the things we do in that press release is reference the Wall Street Journal article. And I do want to talk about that because it, it's emblematic of how the media has covered Bernie or Bust for five years now. I didn't tell Bessie Morris, the woman who flew all the way across the country to sit in my office here for five hours interviewing me, talking to me, figuring out how we did this. I didn't tell her that four years ago, I had two interviews with the Wall Street Journal, lengthy interviews, not a word I spoke went to print. Ditto with Reuters, Ditto, two interviews with Reuters, and another one with Vox. Five interviews, not one word I spoke. It's not like I'm insane, and it's not like I'm saying ridiculous things, except they must interpret ideas like the Republican and the Democratic parties are two wings of the same bird, a political duopoly. That's what I said to Vox, and he, he couldn't wrap his mind around that. So there is a tendency, there is a... Uh, it's not even a conspiracy, a consensus in the mainstream media to keep revolutionary voices out from the public sphere, to, to marginalize it, to sideline it, and to keep things uh, narrowly focused. So what did Betsy Morris quote me after f I stressed four times with her that Bernie has the advantage in turnout over Biden. Bernie has the advantage in swing voters over Biden. Bernie has the advantage in uh, leverage uh, support because every candidate has a certain number of supporters who won't vote for the nominee unless it's their candidate. But Bernie has the most by far. By in far. all three categories, Bernie's a stronger candidate. Not a word of that made it into the Wall Street Journal article. And, and, and that's typical. And, and so when the left does it, when MSNBC refuses to mention Bernie or Buss or CNN until it's way too late, their purpose is to make sure the establishment candidate gets the nomination. Wall Street Journal, of course, is owned by, um, what's his name there, the old man, Murdoch, Murdoch Rupert, Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch yeah. who's an ally with Trump. So their suppression of the truth has to do with the fact that Trump does not want to face Bernie Sanders. Trump wants to face Joe Biden, and frankly, who can blame them? And that's another topic. So going down that press release, the first thing we said was, we're going to attack Biden from the left. So we sent this press release out Sunday. Here it is Wednesday morning. We sent this press release out to 650, actually 60 people now in the media, received this press release that you referenced. No story. Nobody talking about how the Bernier bus group is going to be attacking Biden from the left if he's nominated in the general election. No story about any of that stuff. We had nine points, other points as to why Biden cannot beat Trump. And of course, the big one, and I want to address this because I think we have an opportunity here with this COVID uh, shutdown of the economy to at least try to make a difference, whether it actually works or not it dawned on me last night holy mackerel there is there are millions of people at home in quarantine with what watching tv if, if they're online 
they can actually do something to help Bernie without being Bernie or bust. So the topic and the, and the main point of our press release as to why Joe Biden cannot defeat Donald Trump is because, as you've been pointing out on your show for a couple of weeks now, Biden is suffering from some sort of cognitive decline. It's evident almost every time he shows video. I don't even understand what his campaign is doing. They're showing his, his campaign is releasing videos, flaws and all. They're not even doing multiple takes. Yeah. Or if they are doing multiple takes, Biden just can't get it right. <laughs> they might be doing multiple takes, and that's the best he can do, which it's, is very it's sad. It's scary. Yeah. And, and why isn't uh, MSNBC covering this? Let's agree. Right? Let's agree that the biggest problem is the fact that the corporate media are a propaganda machine and that their whole point is to manufacture our consent. And I've got a little clip that I want to show. I'll probably pop that in here. And it's from the Real News Network. And the main thrust of it is that the like George Stephanopoulos and people like that who've who've been running the debates they have a, a strong interest to scare the American people with socialism and other things that will serve their agenda. So you've got Rupert Murdoch, you've got the guy that, well, Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, you've got all of these oligarchs who own the manufacturing of consent. Caitlin Johnstone calls it the consent managers. So instead of calling them journalists or pundits, we need to start calling them consent managers. And so they, as you've noted, they have a, an agenda going in. They have a story that they want to tell. They want to manufacture a certain narrative, narrative managers. So they, they go in with their narrative that they want. They go in with the story that they want to tell the way they want to tell it. And then they use you as a foil and they use others as a foil if they pay attention to them at all. Otherwise, they just ignore us completely. But when they use us, like Betsy Morris, she, she had an agenda going in. She had a story that she wanted to tell. And so she drove to your office and, and stayed there for five hours because she was hoping to get any kind of tidbits that she could to tell her story. She had no intention ever of telling your story because it doesn't do what her masters, her corporate masters want to do. Right. No, instead, we're going to explore how the role of one of the most adroit enablers of inequality, the mainstream media, how they had a hand in putting us in this bind. How, despite evidence to the contrary, the media pundits who control the most powerful outlets in the world not only misled the public, but through disinformation have dissuaded us from building a social infrastructure that would make us much better prepared for the crisis we are facing today. And to do so, we're going back in time just a month ago when ABC anchor George Stephanopoulos started off the Democratic debate with a question and it wasn't about how our greed infused medical system was the most expensive and ineffective in the world and it wasn't to press the aspiring candidates about why tens of millions of low-wage workers do not have paid sick leave no his question was apparently much more pressing let's watch First, president trump certainly thinks this label socialism will work at the state of the union he said socialism destroys nations he's never going to let socialism destroy american health care and before the super bowl he joked with sean hannity about your honeymoon in moscow those hits are going to keep coming if you're the nominee why shouldn't democrats be worried because donald trump lies all the time <laughs> is anyone else on the stage concerned about having a democratic socialist at the top of the democratic ticket and so in a country with mass incarceration a broken health care system that extorts patients and a racist criminal justice system and now an economy that is virtually at a standstill this highly paid media pundit decided to fixate on the one idea that could actually save us socialism i mean think about it probably quite soon as our economy falls apart and the capitalist herd starts stampeding towards the public trough what will the former champions of greed be clamoring for socialism bailouts public dollars funneled into private wallets of course this will more than likely be the uniquely american version of socialism which includes big handouts to banks and wall street and nothing for the working class that's that's i can't say it any better i think that's spot on and so what we what we're trying to do is figure out how to combat that. Our story, we know our story and we have our narrative and our narrative is based on what's actually happening in the world. And then we see the corporate narrative and we think, well, that's not right. How are we going to fix this? 
how are how are we going to unspin this? And Betsy apparently with and her Columbia law professor or, or journalism journalism professor, whoever he was, they're trying to unspin us. We're apparently threatening enough that they want to figure out how to keep us from um, hon- coming in on their business. It's like uh, mafia. They're the mafia and they have a business model. And then if we figure out how to unspin their narrative, we're a threat. And it was clear to me, and this is something that we could probably take some pride in, that they're threatened by what we're doing. At least we have loud enough voices that they felt the need to to try to spin their narrative against us. L- loud enough voices through our networks. And, and that is one thing that the one benefit we got out of that uh, story in the Wall Street Journal was the extent of our networks. We are a threat to Joe Biden because we have extensive networks that she was able to document fairly well. That's that's the one uh, decent point of this, but it, did, it didn't help uh, in terms of sharing our press release with 600 plus journalists, it didn't help any, you know, none of them paid any, any attention to it. Almost as if they don't give a shit. I want to talk <laughs> about um, the change, what's happened. Um, because we've been saying, you and I both have been saying for months, under current economic conditions, only Bernie beats Trump, regardless of who the other nominee might be. Only Bernie beats Trump because it's going to be a close election. COVID-19 has changed that dynamic. All of a sudden, 2020 has shifted from being the election of 2016, which was close, and those swing voters in in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania swung the election, to 2008, where a quarter, a full quarter of Hillary Clinton's racist supporters refused to vote for Barack Obama, Senator, then Senator Obama, Puma, voted directly for John McCain. That's way more than the Bernie or bust and the and the Sanders Trump swing voters combined, because that's that's a full swing, and it didn't work in two thousand eight because the economy was actually in better shape than our economy is going to be in come November. Way and better. We're looking at we're looking at some serious uh, problems here because of government willingness to shut down there's i think we're going to be on our way back but we're going to be uh we're going to be this is 2008 more than 2016. so our narrative has had to change we have to look at the big picture if you go back again and and, and look at that article that you cited at the beginning of this conversation there's nine reasons why biden's unelectable yeah first reason it's not just it's not just the bernie bust and the swing voters it's you know his his lack of empathy for young people. It's his un, his willingness to veto Medicare for all, which is a litmus test for God knows how many uh, progressives. It's his cognitive decline and and uh, you know the uh, Republican super PACs and, and the Sanders campaign are just going to be spinning or not spinning but show, you know looping that over and over and over whichever slur or misstatement or forgotten name like biden forgets obama's name on video i'm an obiden bama democrat i'm do you remember when he said i'm an obiden bama democrat oh i've lost you how about now oh there you are okay anybody who thinks i'm getting messages that my internet is unstable (laughs) okay so anybody who thinks Biden can defeat Trump just isn't paying attention. So I have a suggestion for everybody who supports Bernie Sanders. You don't have to be Bernie or bust to be part of this messaging. We've got to get, in fact, David Pakman, uh, he's not Bernie or bust, he's anti-Bernie or bust, but he talked about COVID-19 as a possible black swan to benefit Bernie Sanders. And what it's giving us is this delay in the primary process. It may not matter in the end, but it's an opportunity for two things. One, we've got millions of people sitting around with nothing better to do. So if you're a supporter of Bernie Sanders, you don't have to be Bernie or bust. You don't have to be a Sanders Trump swing voters. But what you can do is reach out either on Twitter or Facebook or phone calls or emails to MSNBC and reach out to at Maddow at Lawrence, at Chris L. Hayes, those are the Twitter addresses, 
and tell them, don't ask, demand that they start covering Biden's cognitive decline. We don't know exactly what's behind that. We're not doctors. We don't know if it's early onset senility or Alzheimer's. We can't go there because we just don't know. But you don't have to be a doctor to see something's wrong any more than you have to be a rocket scientist to appreciate, you know, that thing going up in the air. (laughs) You you just have to be observant to see something's going on. And when Joe Biden speaks, there's clearly something going on compared to this guy four years ago. Because of the economy crashing, the Joe Biden of 2016 could have beaten Donald Trump this year. What, what do you think about right. the Michael Moore angle? The fact that Michael Moore has insider discussions with people and knows from them that they know that Biden is losing his marbles. And then their their plan is to to have a bright, he called her a brainiac, a female vice president who's a brainiac who will reassure everyone that even though Biden obviously is losing it, and this is straight from the horse's mouth, and, and Michael Moore is connected to lots of of DNC insiders through his Hollywood connections and and just through his his um, celebrity, he he knows a lot of people. So he's saying that the insiders know that Joe is losing it, but they've got this bright young woman. They say is going to to save everything, and so to me that rules out Hillary. That rules out Elizabeth, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so so. Well, I'm just curious how you feel about the fact that the insiders know that that Biden's losing it, and they and they're just trying to spin spin that away from the general public. Well, the, the general public isn't stupid. They can. They're not. Here's you talk about the wine track voters and how they're listening to MSNBC and CNN, and and of course those networks aren't covering Biden's cognitive decline. So at a certain point, they don't know yet. But get from the DNC, if there is a DNC in in July, until the general election, if there is a general election in November, there's going to be nonstop playing of Biden's cognitive decline evidence. Everyone's going to know this. Swing voters are going to know this. Everyone's going to know this. What they're hiding isn't going to help that they have a a, a bright, young uh, female uh, running for VP because he's not going to get elected. He, right. the, the American people are not going to elect a man suffering from serious, obvious mental decline. So, I mean, obviously, Trump's not the most stable uh, individual in the world, regardless of his claim to the contrary. <laughs> but he he's the known unstable entity. We don't know how far Biden's going to decline and they can say, Oh, well, I'm just going to step in all they want. But that's a big, that's a big, uh, what's it called? Uh, bait and switch, right? Biden's the bait, but we're going to switch him over as soon as, as soon, it's not going to happen. I don't think Biden's going to make it to the general election. I think the plan is because like you just said, Moore's pointing out that the DNC insiders know Biden's in decline. They know this. So they're uniting behind a candidate probably can't defeat Trump, which means the whole purpose of this, and we have a meme pointing this out, if they're uniting behind a guy who can't defeat Trump, then the only purpose of these party insiders is to beat Bernie Sanders. Right. That's all they're trying to do here is to beat Sanders. That's the obvious point to make next is that they know they have no intention of any doing anything other than making sure Trump gets it because then their gig flow keeps flowing. They still know what to do. They, Trump is such a good person for them to oppose. So instead of having anything to actually say in terms of policy or plans, all they really want to do is have Trump there to yell at because then they're, they keep having a job. What what they're why they consider um, Bernie to be an after exist- the election, right? They'll still they'll still be fine with Trump in right. office. They'll still be fine. Their gig flow will continue. So why they consider Bernie to be an existential threat is because it threatens them. They're not going to have jobs anymore. They're not going to have influence anymore. They won't be invited to nice parties anymore. So the the Chris Matthews of the world, the the DNC pundit class, is going to be out of. Of influence, they're not going to have. They they'll still have enough money, but they're not going to have their 
their wonderful invitations to everything and, and nobody will listen to them anymore. And that's why they're afraid. And then the oligarchs, we know why they're afraid of Bernie. And, and so what they're doing together, the collusion between the pundits and the oligarchs is that they have to keep Bernie out and they're, they're fine with Trump. They may rather have Biden um, and whoever, you know, whoever the VP is for Biden, they may rather have a Democrat. They probably would rather have the Democrat, but they know damn well they're not going to get Biden. So they're they're absolutely fine with continuing with Trump as opposed to having Bernie. I think this is the part that our lefty pundits that we follow don't say often enough. I don't think they say like Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jimmy Dore and and all of our favorite lefty pundits, I don't think they're saying often enough that it's blatantly obvious that the DNC insiders are trying to get Trump, that they they absolutely prefer Trump. Well, that's all apparent, right? I, I, the only reason anyone could disagree with anything you said is a hypothetical situation, which I'll present, and which is the plan is to defeat Bernie or use Biden to defeat Bernie between now and the DNC. And then Biden's going to conveniently drop out and the DNC will make a backroom deal. It won't be Bernie, of course, but they'll make some sort of backroom deal, maybe bring, making his uh, VP choice the nominee. They're, I don't think they're going to run Biden. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to run somebody they know who can't win. But but this is hypothetical. Right now, it's guesswork. The, the, your What you just framed is how we should think because that's what – that's what we're seeing, right? They're they're uniting behind a guy who cannot defeat Donald Trump for a variety of reasons, primarily his mental health. What do you think? So, what do you think is going to happen if they do that? If the if the DNC has no intention of running Biden, if they want to run somebody else, anyone but Bernie, what what do you think the the Bernie or Bus crowd will do? What do you think the regular Bernie supporters will do? The vote blue Bernie supporters, and then what do you think the rest of the of the suburban comfortable Democrats will do if they try to do a, a switcheroo on us? Well, it's going to depend on the economy. I don't think it's going to bounce back the way um, Trump seems to think it's going to. Yeah. So if we're still in a recession come November, I think we're looking at 2008. I think the Democrat will, will take the election. Okay. So then what? What, what do you think the, the people want to break off and start a new party? We're talking about yellow vests. We're talking about general strikes. We're talking about people who are utterly and purely pissed off at the DNC's rigging of things. What is that crowd of, of ultra leftists going to do in the event that a Democrat defeats Donald Trump, a corporate Democrat defeats Donald Trump? Well, hopefully they'll be more effective at party building. Uh, movement for people's party just voted to unite with burn the dnc on their conference call this week um they're going to have to set aside differences with other people on the left and form if we're going to actually challenge this political duopoly uh, of this neoliberal uh centrist republican democratic duopoly they're going to have to unite the left, the progressive left. And, and it's like herding cats. Yeah. And we tried to do this. I was part of a think tank in 2018, 2019 to try to get the, the movement for the People's Party and the Socialist Party and the Green Party and the uh, PIP, uh, Progressive Independent Party, to come together, set aside our differences, and form an American Syriza, a coalition of, of, of radical parties to challenge this political duopoly. And we hit a snag. There are people who just refuse to work with other people. I'm not going to name names because going forward, hopefully some of these people will wake up and, and set aside their, they, they probably don't consider them petty differences, but they're going to have to work with people they don't like in order yeah. to challenge from the left this pernicious centrist corporate ideology whether it's neo-fascism currently of the republican party or the 40 plus years of neoliberalism of the democratic party we're either one are going to destroy this climate 
Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this in terms of economic populism because of Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty's new book on populism. Sagar is an avowed righty and Crystal is an avowed lefty and they wrote a book together and they're trying to come together across um, uh, what do you call social social ideology. They have a different way of looking at their social politics, but they agree on their economic politics. So that might be one way to bridge the gap on the left, because you might even be able to bridge the gap with economic populists on the right then. And if you had the righties and the lefties who are economic populists agreeing to put aside their social differences and, and work together on an economic platform, then, then that might work better than what you were involved with. That's much easier said than done. You know, because abortion is, is, is so important to, to people on the right. Immigration is so important to people on the right. And it's hard to set aside uh, things like, especially immigration, because it's not just uh, social. It's also an economic consideration. These people harvest our crops, you know. I, so, yeah, I think we could deal with the economic. If we just said, okay, let's deal with immigration, but let's just deal deal with it on an on an economic basis because bernie used to say um that that we should have closed borders bernie used to say that we need we need to um not lower wages for for american workers but once once he figured out that if we could just put a floor underneath the minimum wage and we could say 15 bucks for everybody then what would actually happen is the immigrants would come in and they would have fair wages and the rising tide would lift all the ships. Everyone's economic interests would be served. So if we just deal with immigration from an economic point of view, I think the right and the left would have a better way, a better chance of, of agreeing because facts are facts. If, if we can persuade good faith discussion that that isn't racist, that isn't fearful, but just really hard-nosed, nuts and bolts, economic solutions, we could make the case across the political aisle, smart people, reasonable people on both sides of the political aisle could agree that if we can put a floor under the minimum wage, we would actually benefit economically from, from all the work that migrant workers do that U.S. workers don't want to do and, and that is absolutely essential work. Our economy would tank instantly if we didn't have that part of our labor force in place. I, I, I think we really could, even though you say it's very difficult. I think it would be easier than the woke signaling and the other kind of, um, like you mentioned abortion. We, we could talk about LGBTQ plus rights. We could talk about non-binary people and trans people. And, and all of those issues are important to me personally, but I can see how they get bogged. They would bog us down right away if we ever started to form a coalition. And to me, the best chance then would be to form a coalition purely on economic populism. Instead of making it a, a woke signaling war, we could make it a class war and an age war because we have the, the young people are getting fucked right and left by our economy. So if we could figure out how to, to make economic justice for young people and economic justice for working people, and we made that the whole point and, and tried to set aside the social differences, I think we'd have a better chance than what you were trying to do. Maybe. Uh, it, it's hard to say. I think it's easier for transpartisan cooperation and trans-ideological cooperation yeah. where there is an overlap as you're laying out um, on a bill-by-bill -bill approach, you know, mm -hmm. a addressing immigration as a bill. As, as a party, I, I just don't see the left and the right working together in, in that kind of organizational structure. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be great if I'm wrong, but I, don't, I, I, don't I, think I just don't see that possibility because because of the differences we have on so many other layers and, and levels. Even our personality types are different. Our, our, our levels of fear are different, yeah. liberals from conservatives. There's so many really non-issue differences, non-economic issue differences that are overlaps it's just, again, I think we can work on issues, minimum wage or whatever, 
cross-partisan, cross-ideological, but I don't think we can do it within the context of a single organization. Okay, I agree with. Very I think, difficult. I don't think you're wrong. I think that it would be impossible to start a political party that that was called the Economic Populist Party. But I do believe that we could have a cross coalition movement. I think if we had the Economic Populist Movement, then we could work within the the duopoly or or a new party if it if it ever got any traction, which is doubtful. But if we did have a movement. And this is where you were talking about the merger of the people's, the pe- what is it? People's, movement for a People's Party. Yeah, Movement for a People's Party. If, you, if we have a merger with them and burn the DNC and Bernie or Bust and, and the other members of the coalition you were trying to start, a movement would be easier to, to sustain and to put aside our differences with than would uh, a new political party. That's true. And, and what would a movement do? advocate for specific populist policies, minimum wage, uh, health care for all, and things like that. No, I think that's a possibility of going forward. I think we're going to have to do something. I want to talk about another po- uh, another uh, strategy or tactic that you've been uh, advocating for the last week or so, and that's the general strike. Because right. I'm not ambivalent about it. I just think we have different kinds of things going on with this COVID, and, and you got idiot idiots on the right who want to push people back into the workforce before this damn uh, pandemics uh, sized, uh, you know, settles down. So right now, a general strike is going to be a health strike. Uh, uh, we're staying home. Screw you guys. I'm not going out into this dangerous world just because Wall Street wants to start making a profit. So I don't think the kind of general strike you have in mind now is going to be interpreted properly. But but I'm all for it now so that we can start thinking, you know, what's it like to not go to work, intentionally not go to work? Like this, a potential health general strike can serve as a practice for a revolt general strike. So you ask me, what happens if, uh, you know, Biden drops out and, and uh, a Harris Booker ticker, ticket uh, de- defeats Trump. Well, general strike would be a good way to to shut things down if they start coming after things, you know, promoting things like the Trans-Pacific Partnership yeah. or any of, the, of these other neoliberal pro- pro-corporate strategies. I think a general strike is something that the left needs to start adding to our toolkit of radical tactics. So I'm glad you're promoting that. I just think the timing because of COVID-19, I think the timing is in some ways is good because a health general strike can serve as, you know, as I just said, as, as, as a practice run, Hey, what's it like to stay intensely stay home and tell the, tell the boss to fuck himself. <laughs> I like that I, idea. I think you're right. It's a warm up. We'll just get practiced up. Yeah. If they call us back to work too early, and I, I don't mean me because I'm a frontline worker, I have to go to work every day. But the, the general population, if, if Trump and the and his Wall Street allies want us to go back to work too early, then this is a good practice run for something that eventually has to be more a re, an economic revolt, a okay. populist revolt against. You know, it could be something that uh, Trump does. If he's reelected, or something that the neoliberal Democratic establishment does, if if uh, if Biden's replaced, because if Biden's not replaced, Trump's reelected. You you can put money on that. You can yeah. absolutely bet on that. If you're listening out there, and, and you're a Republican, and you and you know somebody, a Democrat, who says, "Yeah, Biden's going to beat Trump." Go ahead and take that bet. Take put as bet. much money down as on it as you possibly can. Take that bet because uh, there's no way this current rendition of of joe biden joe biden 2020 is not it can't i don't think he can win office for dog catcher and he certainly isn't fit for public office and that's going to become apparent uh in, in a contest where you know the the republicans are going to lay it out there as i as i already said yeah so, once the orange anal wart gets a hold of him it's all over yeah it I, is it, it, it it's just going to be it's it's going to be a slaughter. 
Yeah. And, and, and I just don't understand. Well, I do understand it, but it's, 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 um, so unethical for Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell and Chris Hayes to not be talking about this obvious elephant in the room. And, oh. and, and again, I want to stress if you're a Bernie supporter, you don't have to be Bernie or bus to try to get the media to start talking about Joe Biden's cognitive decline. Just start, whether you use Facebook, whether you use phone, call, you know, the phone, there's a, nobody's making phone calls to voters right now. So use this opportunity presented by this pandemic to be active in a new and creative way. Get phone calls out to, or tweets or uh, emails, if you can get their email address or, uh, you know, on comments on Facebook, one way or another, reach out to these hosts, these MSNBC hosts, or even Michael Moore. He knows this now. He's got this and he's a guest on these shows. Get them to start talking about this to the public media before the primaries turn back on again because as david pacman suggested very recently this could be a black swan moment this is an opportunity and we have to embrace it we have two things here joe biden's lost mind and the fact that there are probably millions of people quarantined but nothing better to do but to start reaching out i don't mean once you know tweet mad al once today i mean today tomorrow the next day just Hammer them. Keep it up. Don't stop. Let okay. these goddamn television hosts know that their lies of omission <laughs> are unacceptable. Yes. Well, let's say let's say the black swan moment caused the Bernie or Bus television show to go viral. Let's say that every United States baby boomer just suddenly, for whatever reason, because they have nothing better to do, started to watch this show. Let's go over some of the things that you've mentioned here. One to two million Bernie or Bus voters who will vote green, socialist, or not at all. So, so we, that that range has to do with the fact that we we know there's a million. Yeah. We don't know about the second million because uh, the Bernie or Bus generation haven't been polled. So we don't know if there's ten of them, ten thousand of them, a hundred thousand, or a million. But but there's there's a sizable number of young people. If it's not Bernie, they're staying home. So okay. One to two all right. Million. And then a one and a quarter to one and a half million Sanders to Trump swing voters who told pollsters that they plan to repeat that strategy this year. Obama to Trump voters are going to support Trump in the contest with Biden. It's an almost automatic choice. From from Rachel Bitcoffer. All right. right. This this isn't Victor Tiffany. No, no. Her numbers are good. Rachel is a good um, analyst and a good um, statistician. So Obama to Trump voters are going to support Trump. It's almost an automatic choice. Millions of poor and poorly educated voters, according to Thomas Piketty, will not vote for a status quo candidate like Biden. And that's why Trump won last time. We've got the poor and poorly educated voters who will not vote for a status quo candidate. They want actual hope and change. Biden is putting together Hillary Clinton's losing coalition, which Hillary told us herself, Biden has told young people he has no empathy for them. I've shown that clip on this show. Biden has said he would veto Medicare for all. So if you're on the left and you're part of the Bernie army, whether you're Bernie or bust or not, you can't vote for somebody who's going to veto Medicare for all. Well, it's a litmus test for how many people. You see it on Twitter a lot. If you're not Medicare for all, I'm not supporting you. It's a litmus test for God knows how many progressives. And even Republicans. Even Republicans want Medicare for all. And so, then the, the deepest nail in Biden's electability coffin may be his obvious cognitive decline. You can bet honey badger Trump won't hold back on Biden's dementia. For more on this key topic about Biden's unelectability, see Stop Calling It a Stutter. Do you remember? And I'm going to ask you in a second. And then Joe Biden will lose a general election to Donald Trump. They can click on these, but I can't remember who the authors are. And Paul Street is the first author okay. uh, that I that I quote there, the honey badger, Caitlin Johnstone, don't right. call it a stutter. Right. And the third one uh, was Jacobin. I don't know who the author was. Oh, okay. And then the last point, Biden cannot plausibly offer change. 
He can only offer more of the same. And most Americans do not want more of the same. I predicted last time that a populist would win the general election. And my my blue dog, vote blue Democrat Facebook people were were pissed off when I said that. They said, Trump is in no way a populist. And I said, well, true. And neither was Barack Obama, but they ran as populists. And so somebody who runs as a populist is going to win the next general election too. It's going to be either a true populist or a fake populist or two two fake populists running against each other. Then who knows? But I don't think the DNC is going to run anybody that, that even even pays lip service to populist talking points. Somebody just advised Biden to run on Bernie's platform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it would help him. It, it would. I mean, some people would believe it. They believe Obama. Yeah. Yeah, the people, the, the people who vote, the main people who vote, the older people, especially in primaries, will believe whatever Rachel Maddow tells them or, or Chris Hayes. Or, but um, what, what we might think about as we're, we're going forward is how do we put pressure? You, you started listing off the, the um, Twitter accounts of people we should talk to. I think I'll put a list at the end of this show. What do you want our lefty pundits to say? We've got, you, you said that um, Crystal Ball talked about leaving the top line blank and you don't advocate for that, but at least she's saying don't vote for Biden. And so is um, Kyle Kalinske, even though he's a sheepdog, he's saying don't vote for Biden. Jimmy Dore won't come out and criticize Cenk Uger, who's obviously a sheepdog. And, and Jimmy Dore won't say Bernie or bust on his show. So, so just as a prompt, what, what do you want the lefty pundits to be told by the viewers of the Bernie or Bust show? What do you want us to tweet, not to, not to the MSDNC people, but directly to the people we watch on a daily basis? So if Biden's the nominee, the reason he, the, it's not just the one reason he's going to lose, right? This should, in this economy, it should be a landslide. Anybody can beat Trump. And it looks like they're uniting around the one candidate who can't beat Trump for that list of reasons you just gave. So, you know, I mean, they, I would say if you're going to reach out to uh, a David Dole or, or uh, Kyle Kalinske and ask them to start covering something, have them start covering the, the Sanders Trump swing voters, right? They, they haven't covered them yet. They treat them like they're lepers or something. Oh God, we can't talk about them. I think there's, A, a, a big misunderstanding of those voters, like they're they're toxic to Bernie's uh, chances of, of winning. It's and elitism. Fact, it's, it's just, just a, the opposite. Yeah. Without those voters, Trump loses or uh, Biden loses, or the or, you know if, if if the economy comes back and 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 it looks like you know things are promising again for Trump, and he can claim, see, I I, I fought the virus, and and now the economy. You know, if he's able to make that mark that argument. Then, then we're back to only Bernie beats Trump. So again, those swing voters will have an impact. Those, and so will Bernie or Bush voters. There's these people, whether it's Jimmy Dore or any of these people. I mean, like you said, in a, I think yesterday, Nico House is the only one who's actually covered Bernie or Bust. We're Tim, Tim Black. Why aren't you talking about Bernie or Bust? Why, Kyle Kalinsky? I don't care if he argues against Bernie or Boss. Why isn't he even talking about it? And and Jimmy Dore has no goddamn excuse to not talk about Bernie or Boss. He argued in favor of Bernie or Boss in 2016. Now he won't even talk about it. So these progressive pundits need to be pressured to talk about Bernie's leverage, either the leverage he packs in his suitcases without our help, the Sanders Trump swing voters, or the movement we built, the, the Bernie or Bus movement. They they need to start talking about these people in addition to all the other things on that list. Because yeah. they are talking about the other stuff. It's it's the leverage that either Sanders has innately or the constructed leverage of Bernie or Bus that they just refuse to talk about. And I don't understand why. I think they need to be told, look, Jimmy, get Alan Howe, the host of Bernie or Bust show, as a guest on your show and have and, and talk about Bernie or Bust. They need to be pressured. 
Yeah, and I, and I, I don't know what leverage you can use with MSNBC. It's easy to say, look, if you don't cover Joe Biden's uh, cognitive decline, we're just not going to watch you anymore. And maybe that's what needs to be said to Jimmy Dore. Maybe that's what needs to be said to Kyle Polinsky or, or Mike Figueroa. I don't know why these people or what it's going to take to get these people to start talking about the, the, the this movement and, and the swing voters. But that's that's what I recommend. Just again, don't ask. Demand. Start yeah. talking about if it's mainstream media, Biden's cognitive decline and if it's the progressive pundits that you've been talking about to start talking about burning your bus and have uh alan howe as a guest on your show i think you can shame them a little bit i think if we're sharing this to them like if the the viewers want to to uh tweet at people they could tweet the url to the to this interview and i think if they watch it if david dole watches it or kyle kalinsky watches it or Mike Figueredo watches it, what they what they should hear from us is that we think they're being elitist. I think they don't want to talk about the swing voters because they come from kind of the same backgrounds as the 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 bigger dogs up the chain. They they have good educations, they probably come from good schools, they probably are not from maybe I don't know for sure about Crystal Ball. I think she grew up in Kentucky. She seems a little bit more populist than and more grubby than some of the others in in her upbringing. But she she's well educated. She's polished like they are. I think part of their problem is that they have kind of a little bit of Hillary's problem. They have a little bit of a condescending attitude, and and for that reason they don't they don't feel like talking about them. It feels like maybe they'll get their hands dirty. And if, if that bothers them enough to say, well, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not why we're talking about Bernie or Bust. I think that would be wonderful. But whatever we can do to goad them into co- into covering it would, would be great. Well, I mean, what I don't get is this is if, if they start talking about this and it filters up toward mainstream media, this is this is not going to hurt Bernie Sanders. This is going to help Bernie Sanders. Again, this could be a black swan moment yeah. in this campaign, this this COVID-19 delay in the in the primaries. But if we don't embrace it, and I don't mean those who are listening, but those these lefty pundits, yeah. they have to start letting the, the swing or these uh, wine track voters, however they can reach them, you know, maybe they can tell their audiences, hey, get your aunt and uncle on the phone if they're if they're in New York or some other state that hasn't voted yet, get them on the phone and let them know Joe Biden just cannot be elected. Right. So this thing can spread and, and, and get Bernie the nomination because the only way he's going to get the nomination is if the, if this primary completely flips, right? People give up on Joe Biden for whatever reason and understand because of that list of items you just read that he's not the electable candidate that, fact of the matter is yeah he's not the electable candidate not even close so wine track voters the middle class suburban voters need to find this out and it's going to have to come from the bottom up from these lefty progressives up through hopefully filtering see if, if mainstream media will talk about biden's cognitive decline and the progressive media is already talking about that but throws in other items on that list, including the swing voters, including the Bernier busters, then we can we can flip this thing around. But if they don't talk about it, then we've already seen from the last two months what's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to nominate Bernie, the, Joe Biden, and he's going to lose to Trump. That's what I told Betsy Morris. If she wanted my she wanted to know what I thought was going to happen, I said. I think they're going to nominate Biden and lose. She that didn't is, want to know. I'm a betting person, and that, that's my bet. But yeah. my hope is, you know, my hope is not my betting. I, would, I hope to lose that bet. Right. I hope people will wake up and start talking about that list of nine reasons you just read and and uh, and Biden and, and the mainstream media start talking about Biden's cognitive decline. He's just not fit to be president. I don't care how much you hate Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that there's enough people who are going to look at 
Joe Biden talking about, you know, these truths are self-evident. They're all men and women are you. Uh, you, you know, know the, the thing. thing. <laughs> you know the thing. And it's hairy legs. <laughs> how does a how does a candidate for president of a major party not know that line? Because he's losing it. Yeah. And and it's going to be so clear between the DNC or the virtual DNC or whatever it is in, in July and November, it's going to be so clear. Biden's just not going to have a chance. I, I think, again, he's going to drop out intentionally. I think it's the plan to defeat Bernie, drop out, and then basically if, if the economy doesn't bounce back the way Trump fantasizes – then you know anybody harris can beat trump anybody in in because we're in a 2008 election any of these can anyone but biden it's so fascinating to me that the elites and the and the establishment are uniting around the one candidate who can't beat trump and and it's just it's just mind-boggling to me it speaks of of a deep well it just speaks of a not a not a conspiracy, but a consensus that uh, Bernie Sanders must be defeated. Right. That's the even if it picture. means we lose the election. Yeah, they they feel like they have to beat Bernie, and so they right. coalesced around the candidate. They didn't do it to because Biden is the worst to defeat Trump. They did it because Biden was the best to defeat Bernie. That's right. That's right, and that's so corrupt. That's so. Um, I mean, what do you have a party for? So you can organize and win elections. Yeah. That's not what they're doing. No, nope. that's not what the Democrats are doing. Nope. We need to throw them out. Yep. All right. Well, that was wonderful. I enjoyed that very much. I hope, I hope you have a good day at work today and hope you stay safe and healthy and happy. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it, it's like, it's like living in a science fiction movie. You know, we, we're at war with a fucking invisible enemy yeah. that's out to kill us. Yeah. I'm, I'm 64 uh, and an ex-smoker, so I don't know but if I could even survive uh, this thing, and yet I'm out in it. So I didn't, uh, <clears throat> I didn't uh, go to the school I did and take up this profession that I'm in in order to be a frontline worker, but here I am. Well, all power to you. Thanks. Get on board the Bernier bus train. Come get on board the Bernier bus train. Once you hear that clickety-clack, there ain't no time for turning back. Get on board the Bernier bus train. The preceding episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel Bernie or Bust Television.